Monday, February 5th, having a conversation concerning today's headlines and real-life challenges. I'm Tom Lamprecht, along with Pastor Harry Reeder. Stay with us as we apply a biblical worldview with gospel solutions to put the issues of today in perspective. Harry, I want to go back to last Tuesday night. It was President Trump's first ever State of the Union address. One op-ed piece by Liz Peek out of Fox News said that he delivered more drama, passion, and feel-good patriotism than his critics in Tinseltown delivered all year. He reaffirmed his dedication to border security, to a strong military, to religious freedom, to protecting the Second Amendment, and to upholding our veterans and law enforcement, seemingly challenging Democrats to deny reasonableness and popularity on these bedrock commitments. Let's say a little bit of historical context here, Tom. This State of the Union speech grows out of something that began with President George Washington and carried on by the second president, John Adams. It was called the Annual Report of the President. It was written out and delivered and read. More or less continued with presidents. The shift came in 1913 under Woodrow Wilson, who came and delivered it personally to the Congress. And that's what has carried on since then through all the presidents. It's clearly theater now. You and I had conversed over the fact that we thought he was making a big mistake out of putting together so many people in the balcony that he would tell their story. I still wonder about the numbers somewhat. It was interesting how you began to anticipate it because he clearly was using story to introduce policy. He told the story and then declared the policy that would address the story. Now, that's very much like a sermon, if you don't mind me saying so. Preachers make points from the Bible and then try to illustrate it. He reversed it. He made stories and then tried to make a point about his policy. I thought he did a good job on that. As much as this president is declared as ego-driven, and there is much evidence to that, the fact is his personal pronouns were, if I'm not mistaken, about 75% or more less than President Obama's pronouns, and continually said this is what the Congress has done or this is what the people have done. Now theater is not only in how it is presented and the narratives and the stories, but it's theater also by how people respond. This was very clearly theater that revealed something even, I think, further than the parliament in England. In the English parliament, the parties out of power declared themselves the loyal opposition. It was very clear that this is not loyal opposition. This is a resistance. And they can't even affirm good things happening in the country lest the president get the credit for it and be declared successful. In other words, they're going to deny the good things and not affirm the good things, not because they're not there, but because if we applaud them, that may contribute to it being attributed to the president. And we don't want to be in any way a part of his success. We're there to resist him. Brett Hume in the uh, post coverage said they looked morose. Do you think they hurt themselves, the Democrats? I grew up in an age where the African-American at work was the picture of stability. And now the unemployment in the African-American community is even less than it was in the 1950s. And the Hispanic community, both of those demographics in the population of this nation have the lowest unemployment they've ever had. And I couldn't understand why the Hispanic and the African-American caucus in the Congress would not applaud that factor. 
And then when you don't applaud the military, I don't see how you gain on that at all. That's a pretty negative picture, and negative pictures do not motivate. I'm not saying Donald Trump is Reagan, but there was a Reagan-esque quality to the speech itself. Positive, uplifting. Vision casting. Casting a vision. We certainly need to recognize our faults, but the best thing that can happen is for America to be strong. From a Christian world and life view, I would give an anything if there could have been a reference beyond the obligatory reference at the end, God bless America. I wish there had been more of a reference to our need of a spiritual awakening here in the speech. But he did declare his unwavering commitment to the freedom of religion. Let me just mention a couple of things in closing, time. The first one is this, is he set up two things for the future in that speech that are an opportunity to invite cooperation on both sides of the aisle, to establish border security and reform an overhaul of the immigration policy. I'm not going to go back over what we have said on that. commend our audience to go back and look at our archives on it. Then secondly, infrastructure improvements, which I do believe is a function of the government to encourage that. There's something like 80% federal money on infrastructure and 20% state money. He gave a vision of reversing that 60% state plus private engagement. I thought those two things were casting vision and problems that need to be addressed and inviting a bipartisan. Now, he's been criticized. This was advertised as a bipartisan speech. Could President Trump have done more reaching out? I think so. But the other thing I would say is it was expected that both Democrats and Republicans would be positive at the first part of the speech when the statistics were given in the improvement of the State of the Union. Of course, that became the occasion for a political response instead of a national response to those statistics. Now, let me just say the president may bear some responsibility for that because in the midst of it, he made some rather pointed remarks about Obamacare and that may have chilled the event itself. That's another analysis to take. So from a Christian world in life view, I think there was much to learn from it. There's much to see about our nation and the divided nature of our nation right now on the lines of politics and ideology. Is it big government and small freedoms or is it big freedoms and smaller government? The Democratic Party obviously believes this is an illegitimate president, and they are not able to affirm the positive lest it be attributed to him. The widespread response, CBS survey, where 97% of the Republicans approved it, 40% plus of the Democrats approved the speech. Those Democratic politicians might want to look at that statistic. And then a large number of independents so that it averaged out 75%, which is pretty remarkable given his low approval ratings. So I would say, in conclusion, I believe the great unity of this nation is a sweeping revival. I know people say, Harry, I knew you were going to say that. But a sweeping revival in which something bigger than even nationalism would take hold, something more glorious, and that is a nation that sees its significance as a glorious field for the progress of the gospel and all of the benefits that that brings, and how that unites people in one Lord, one faith, and one baptism, not by legislative coercion, but by the persuasion of the Holy Spirit with the work of the gospel. It just showed me how much more the fissures of society 
due to the secular world and life view and the Christian world and life view present, that those fissures need to be addressed through the love of Christ, that the truth of Christ, and that we reach profoundly. I'm going to paraphrase what one of my friends said. The speech could have been this. Here are some great things. Isn't this wonderful? Praise the Lord. Here's some things that we need to address. Would you help me? And let's pray for God's intervention. Thirdly, I have closed down my Twitter account. God bless America. That would have been a great (laughs) speech at the end. I know that by the time our program airs, that people are going to have been processing this and hopefully we've been of some help. As a Christian, I want to labor all the more for the work of the gospel. I want to be a good citizen, and I'm going to pray for my president and for my Democratic and Republican elected officials and ask God to do a great work from the bottom up with the gospel and then give us those who can rise above personal promotion and establish legislation that reflects a world and life view that honors the dignities of humanity affirmed by the Constitution of our nation. Harry, thank you for your thoughts for today. As we close out, let me remind our listeners it's easy to subscribe to this podcast. Simply go to your iTunes icon, type in Today in Perspective with Harry Reader each and every weekday on your podcast icon will automatically download a new edition of Today in Perspective. A great way to stay in touch, a great way to never miss an edition of this podcast. Well, do stop by again tomorrow, Tuesday, as we continue our conversation and as we apply a biblical worldview to put the issues of today in perspective.